You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Welcome to your queer story, motherfuckers. The only podcast you should listen to. <laughs> Make sure you get a very narrow uh, perception of the world only through Paul and I's eyes. We've never said anything wrong or incorrect. Oh, no. Definitely, definitely never not. had to go back and make social media posts um, correcting uh, things or nope. um, stating things or apologizing. None of that ever. No. Definitely no, hasn't happened. Always been 100% on every day all day that's how i live my life i don't know about you (laughs) um anyways so paul didn't do anything this week because he's a lazy fuck no i really usually i have at least some crazy story but i'm really drawing a blank right now um i started playing final fantasy 14 played a lot of video games that's not unusual though i usually do other things on top of that but What's yeah. happening to you? I don't know. What's happening to you? I've been working life? a little o- overtime, making yeah. some money, um, trying to get some debt paid off. But other than that, I really haven't. I really haven't, haven't done shit. Oh, I I have not done much, but my animals have lost their minds, specifically the puppy. I love that you're so shocked that a puppy is Listen crazy. To this you're like, asshole. oh my god, a puppy's crazy, and everybody else is like, uh, no fucking shit. They're supposed to be cute. No, first of all, first of all, last week, what this asshole did, trigger warning if you're an animal lover. Mm-hmm. Trigger warning. We're I'm not sorry, I need this in the to podcast. You can't, no, don't censor me. We're not this is this life. This is what this asshole, you know this, what? You can't sit here and criticize me for my puppy. I can criticize you all the what all I want because I'm the one who cuts the shit out. You can't do this. Listen, this is why I'm frustrated. First of all, he killed a nest of baby rabbits, which was just rude. It was mean. It was traumatic because I was chasing him around trying to stop him from killing the baby rabbits. And every time I would get one baby rabbit, he would go back and grab another baby rabbit. So that was that was traumatic. Should have just killed the dog. Ended it all. <laughs> Save the bunny's lives. <laughs> so then last night, I'm typing away, finishing up my my episode, and I'm so proud of myself because this will be the first time in weeks that I've actually finished an episode before the day that we're recording. Yeah, and usually I'm sitting here <laughs> on my phone just waiting. <laughs> yeah. Waiting. Yep. Waiting, waiting some more. So anyways, I was very proud of myself. And all of a sudden I hear Samantha. She's like, honey, honey, get out here. He's got a skunk. And so Samantha, if you recall, has broken her foot and is useless. So I have to go. Useless and angry. Useless and angry. So I have to wrestle the puppy in. And he, it was sad because he he couldn't see because the skunk had sprayed him right in his eyes. Was he screaming? 
he was Dogs whimpering. He was whimpering. He was barking. Yeah, howling and um and crying. And well, that's what he fucking gets. It was an awful smell. This like I when you hear when you smell skunk like you're driving and you smell skunk and people are like sometimes I like the smell of skunk. That was not what this was. Who says that? It smelled that like before. hell. If hell had a smell, it burned. It was acidic. It was the worst thing I've ever smelled, it was acidic, really. and it was in my throat. I'm bumping things. Sorry, it was horrible. I would imagine it's what the inside of your asshole smells like. Mm-mm. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> we don't all douche, okay? <laughs> Enema. Anyways. Got to do it. Got to do what you got to do. Got to clean yeah, it It's probably how my asshole smells because nobody's really going up in there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, my life has been... I feel like, you know what? There's definitely something that happened and I just... I'm that person who like is always like, yeah, nothing happened. And then you like do like a flashback and I'm like scaling a building or something obnoxious. Mm. I would never scale a building, but no, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I tried rock climbing once yeah, and I got up onto the, like the very first, like I took the very first step up and I froze mm-hmm. and I was like, nope, definitely <laughs> not for me. Never thought I was scared of heights. Still don't think I'm scared of heights, but apparently I'm scared of climbing rocks. So. Apparently. Apparently. Wow. Um, yeah. So we have nothing. Um, I will be gone next week at the Philly Trans Conference and then rolling that into my honeymoon. So that'll be nice. That'd be a lot of fun. That's a fun way to kick off a honeymoon. It is. It it really is. Like that's, we couldn't plan it better. Like we love Philadelphia. We're going to get to go to, to the conference and then we're going to go see a bunch of history and eat good food. The food All there the is things. great. Do you, did you ever go to the Chinatown and eat that food? In Philadelphia? Yeah. No. Why would I? Why would I go to Chinatown in Philadelphia? You don't like China people. I mean, Chinese people. Are you like? Right? What do you no, mean? Why wouldn't I'm you just go? saying that. Like, I don't feel like that's what you think of when you go to Philly. You're like, I want some cheesesteak. Like, I hate cheesesteak. Well, it's shredded. Why steak. do you even go? I'm dying to hear your okay. Um, shaved steak mm-hmm. is the nastiest food. It tastes nasty. That doesn't make sense. It has a gross it's texture. It's literally meat that is just made smaller no, for no. you to put in your mouth. It's like overcooked. It has a nasty flavor. It's gross. That's crap. It's like a very Have cheap. Have you ever had a real Philly's cheesesteak? From like Quiznos. That bitch, what the fuck is that? That's like saying you've had real Mexican food because you ate at Taco Bell. Okay? That's bullshit. Get out of here. I've had shaved steak at multiple places. I've never once liked it. <laughs> never once. Even just shaved steak not in a chili s- cheese. Not a... Steak. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> not a fan. Never have been. Whatever. Okay. But if you go to Philly, when you mm-hmm. go to Philly, yep. there is this place in Chinatown. It's called Taste... No. It's called Spice C. Like S-P-I-C-E space C. Mm-hmm. It was good. And it's actually spicy. It's not <laughs> okay, a, good. Because you know great. I love spicy food. Well, so not okay for our listeners that aren't little bitches and you can actually eat spicy food. <laughs> go to Spicy in Philly; it's really good and they're really nice. You can even pay with Venmo. Am I gonna? I'm gonna have gas all my honey, my whole honeymoon because of you. How am I supposed to have sex and lose my virginity, Paul? Uh, <laughs> I think you might have lied to Samantha this whole time. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I've never. All right. Um. Wait, wait, okay, I guess we should probably get into our actual episode now because we talked enough about um, doing nothing. 
and your weird aversion to shaved steak. It's the nastiest food. This is such a dumb thing. It's such of all the the, the things that you don't like, that doesn't even make sense. That's like the only thing I don't like. I'll eat cow heart, cow tongue. I'll eat literally anything. None of that makes sense. Can't do shaved steak. It's nasty. Ridiculous. All right. um, So let's talk about... Let's talk about the um, the U.S. Women's World Cup champions. Superstars. Um, side note, I know absolutely nothing about sports, but <laughs> I do know about lesbians. Yeah. So I'm halfway there. <laughs> so basically, it's like you do know sports. Uh, yeah, well, sports is a lot gayer than we give it credit for. Uh, yeah, have you ever... Every time I like see like a gift or something, it's always like a baseball player smacking another baseball player on the ass or something. I'm like... Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. You're, you're all straight. Yeah. Neither it. of us is is very good to commentate on this because Paul knows nothing about sports and I know very little. Um, I'm, I'm double fisting right now. One hand has coffee. One hand has beer. So okay, well, that's going to give an interesting outcome. This is going to be great. It's going to be great. Why don't you just pour your beer in your coffee? I thought about it, but I think it'd be nasty. You know what I should do? I should keep some Bailey's on site for you because then you could just not have to do this. Just mix it all together. Because every week he comes over, he wants coffee, but he wants alcohol. And so then he does this where he drinks from both. I have to become my truest self. (laughs) His truest self by drowning himself in substances. Maybe one time I'll try marijuana for the first time on a podcast. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Pop your marijuana cherry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pop all your cherries. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be the time that you have sex for the first time, too. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so we named this this um, episode, You Can't Win a Championship Without Gays on Your Team. It's never been done before, ever. That's science right there. Actually, the, the episode's just, You Can't Win a Championship Without Gays. That's science. But that's the full quote. It's like we're writing um, a scientific research um, journal. <laughs> is, that, is that what this is? Yeah, because you know what? I, I wish that's what scientific journals were named. Right? Before mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. You might actually want to read them. <laughs> I was when doing the research for the Alan Turing. Wow, my brain was hurting. It's been a long time since my brain's really hurt trying to like study someone. And I don't know what was said 95% of the time. So I apologize for anyone. So it's just going to be me. Of course, I'm going to be the one that ends up reading the paragraphs and I'm just going to sound like an idiot. Exactly. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. What's different? (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, you can't win a championship without gays on your team. It's never been done before. That's science right there. Those words were uttered by World Cup hero and queer icon Megan Rapino. She was referring specifically to the women's USA soccer team, but we imagine her comment could be applied to most sports teams throughout history. In honor of the soccer team's incredible or football team's incredible victory a few weeks ago, we decided to give a brief history of gays in sports, as well as a short list of some of the most incredible queer queers to ever play the game. This episode will be shorter than most, maybe, I don't know, actually. I, when I started writing this, I was like, oh, this is going to be quick. But then I found out, wow, sports are gay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you seen wrestling? Yeah, exactly. Wrestling, oh, wrestling is like rooted in, in gayness. Like it was just literally it's like a, whole fetish. It's a bunch of homos. Like Dominate, whoever dominates <laughs> gets to like 
be the top. Gets to like, dominate. Just, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And like how Human can. trying to dominate each other. Like that's not gay at all. How can we make this okay for everyone? Let's let the freshman Oops. in high school do it. <laughs> that's right. Not gay. Oh, it's funny because our wrestling coach at, um, in high school was the biggest homophobe or, you know. Biggest homophobe. Yeah, because he, course, he was yeah. watching all the boys. Yeah, exactly. He didn't uh, want the church to know, so he made it extra, extra clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, that, like, toxic masculinity. I mean, that's the guy to the T. Like, man, wrestling's a man sport. And then he's just rolling around with all these boys in his tight little underwear. Whatever. All right, so let's dive into a loose timeline of queer sports. And, of course, we head all the way back to the original games, the Olympics. You'll be, I don't think those are the original games. There was all kinds of like crazy historic sports, but okay. Okay. Well, I mean, those are like the original organized games. I'm sure like if we went into all, all right, so first of all, Paul, this is a general synopsis of queerness in sports. Okay. I don't have time to go into every culture and every game that's ever been played. All right. And I'm not going to talk. I don't have that's anything fine. from the I Mayans or the Incas have, here. I wouldn't have called it the original. That's all I'm saying. Fine. Fine. Take it out. Take it out of the script then, you bitch. You'll be hard pressed to find a gayer place than the Olympics of early Greece. The games were basically a tribute to the male physique and the col- coliseums were packed with men eager to watch other men, oiled, sweaty, and naked, participate in various sports. Anthropologist Greg Layden said of the early Olympics, Everyone knows that the original Olympics were all about watching naked men. Sure, it was a sporting event, but it was also a soft pornographic group voyeuristic tournament. Yeah, I was I'm really, sure it was so much fun to watch. Oh, I'm sure it was. I I can't they literally were naked though. Like <laughs> they're just running their dicks flopping how, everywhere. <laughs> why was this even a fucking thing? Like, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a bunch of guys, they're gonna wrestle. Like, okay, that sounds good. They're gonna be naked. But naked. Mm-hmm. And then we're all gonna sit in the stands and we're gonna watch them get oiled up and we're gonna watch them wrestle completely naked. Sounds like a good time. This sounds fantastic, Fred. Love it. Love it. Well the Greece also had like all men had like a boy. Oh well, yeah. So like I'm sure it was just like yeah, of course we would do it. Why wouldn't we do it yeah. that way? Right, uh, pederast. You know, mm-hmm. so like that whole it's that whole system of the older man and the younger boy. You know, and of course you know, yeah, that was that was the way that it went. Yeah. So of course nudity wasn't taboo as it is today, but the Greeks took things to a new level. In fact, the word gym comes from this era, and the word gymnos, gymnos. Maybe it's gymnas. Everything's os, like eros, which is interpreted simply as naked. So that's that's what the word gym means. Yep, there you go. Real so deep. next time you go up to Planet Fitness, <laughs> take all your clothes off, get on the treadmill, and live your truest life. Right. And if they right. say anything, tell them this is supposed to be a judgment-free zone. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry. I thought I was at the gym. I'm sorry. I was Maybe watching. you need to learn your queer story. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I was just reading the side, man. So one author, Tony Parotet, uh, P-E-R-R... Parotet. Parotet? Probably not, but... Parotet. Just with it. P-E-R-R-O-T-T-E-T. So if you can remember that, don't worry, our script will be published. He got it right, He got right to the point and wrote a book titled Naked Olympics. Why not? Why not? Here he describes the rituals of naked athletes parading up and down the stadiums as adoring fans wrote beautiful poetry to the athletes. One writer stated, Happy is a lover who, after spending time in the gymnasium, goes home to sleep all day long with a beautiful young man. 
<laughs> Pottery and images of the naked athletes were also made so that individuals could continue to take in the muscled and bare forms of their Olympian heroes. Imagine this that. Is... They're like, um, I made some pottery. Pottery over here. Pottery. <laughs> pottery. Dick. Dick. Dick, dick pottery. Get, get dick your dick pottery. pottery. All around. That's right. I don't, this is, I don't know how, why anybody even ever thought this was just games. I don't know. Mm. It's literally, it's just a big fuck fest. Yeah. The artwork still couldn't compare to the real thing. During the games, athletes often had to tie their penises to their bodies to protect them. Uh, <laughs> hang on, let me get my twine, wrap it around my neck. Uh, which made the appendages seem erect. The closet professor wrote about this tactic. In order to protect their penis during wrestling matches and other contact sports, men would tie a string around the tip of their foreskin, enclosing their glands, thus keeping them safe. The... I don't know what that's supposed to be. I'm guessing the rope. The canodesum. I guess that's a fancy name for the rope. The rope was tied <laughs> tightly around the part of the foreskin that extended beyond the glands. The can, the rope could then either be attached to a waistband, oh no, to expose the scrotum, or tied to the base of the penis so that the penis appeared to curl upwards. All of those options are bad. Why wouldn't you just, <laughs> why wouldn't you just tie it around your leg? And keep it tight. I, I don't know. I mean, how long is your penis, though? That's you long. only have so much. Yeah, it depends on how big your dick is. That's true. Yeah. Also, you could just wear underwear. I, I'm just saying. I don't know how long, it, how long it took you to tie your dick. And you know there was some guy in the locker room whose sole job was just to tie the dicks down. I'm the dick tie. Bring your dick over here. He's the only straight guy in all of Greece. And he's like, God damn it. The one, the one bigot. <laughs> yeah. But if you're just thinking this sounds gay, that doesn't mean it was gay. Well, we have further proof. There are plenty of stories of men enjoying sexual encounters in the locker rooms or during practice, which we know that's still going on today. Mm -hmm. The men also indulged in crude locker room graffiti in and outside the gym. On the temple Apollo in Thera, the words, Here Cremon penetrated Amatum appear on the corner. Maybe it's a motion, but it's spelled with an A. I don't know. Whatever. Cremon was penetrating someone. And the entire entry to the stadium, Nimia, is filled with love letters from one athlete to another. At the Diocletian Games, the final round of a game was judged by the competitor who gave the sweetest kisses. <laughs> and everybody in this was men. There was no women, so this is all guys. So it was the guy who had the best DSL. <laughs> I guess so. And one town held an entire event specifically in honor of a hero who died protecting his boyfriend on the battlefield. Yes, the Olympics were pretty damn gay, and ultimately that would be their undoing. Historians have speculated that when Emperor Theod uh, Theod Theodosius. Theodosius Augustus banned the Olympics in 393 CE, it was done to establish Christianity. No fucking, fucking Christians. Right? Fucking shit up from day one. Exactly. Jesus, he, he really was a dick. Theodosius, I can't say his name, but Theo was a dick. Um, it cannot be ignored that he also criminalized homosexuality at the same time, which made him one of the first rulers in history to formally do so. And he set up thousands of years. I don't know, thousands. He set up hundreds yeah. of years of oppression. Yeah, he set up, yeah, almost almost 2,000 years. It was, mm -hmm. about, it was like, like 1,600 years of yeah. oppression. Yep. The Olympics wouldn't return until 1894, and while they would still celebrate men for the first century... This time, the games were meant to reinforce the idea of masculinity. Some people believed that men were becoming too soft. 
The 1930s to 50s really drove home the concept of hypermasculinity to compensate for so-called effeminate men. This was the era of the crackdown on communism and homosexuality. While many feared being labeled a fairy and the social and legal consequence of such, men were pushed to exaggerated forms of masculine behavior, which led to an increase in toxic masculinity and nationalism. Yep. However, the posters just ad libbing a little bit. <laughs> However, the posters for the Olympics during this time were still gay as hell, as homoerotic overtones sizzled off the pages. And while Olympic organizers denied that queers had anything to do with sports, now more athletes began to show their rainbow colors. Yeah. So it, it's um it's interesting because like yeah like the whole reason that the olympics was brought back was like whereas originally they're celebrated what i do all right whereas originally they were celebrated for being you know like a free expression of 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 male bodies Mm -hmm. and really about um homosexuality or at least uh the, the love between two men now they're brought back to reinforce this idea that we're men and we're tough and we can do these things and women were allowed to compete, but the they were all about men. But mm-hmm. if you look at the posters from like the 1930s, 40s, and 50s for the Olympics, they're still like very homoerotic. Uh, yeah, because it's men on men. Exactly. Literally I, men on men. Yeah. I don't know. In 1932, Babe Didrikson Zaharias, Z-A-H-A-R-I-A-S. Um, I don't know how to say your last name, but we will do an episode on Babe one day. And we might learn how to say her name by then. She exploded on the Olympic scene. Babe was an American athlete from Port Arthur, Texas. She had been married. Uh, sorry, she has been named the greatest female athlete of the 20th century. She excelled in basketball, baseball, tennis, and golf. And at the 1932 Olympics, she set four world records in track and field. Eventually, Babe would go on to establish the LPGA, Ladies Professional Golfers Association, and would later be inducted into the Golfing Hall of Fame. While Babe did marry a man, wrestler George Zaharias, wrestler, come on, it seems her main lover was fellow golfer Betty Dobb. I had such an imad- uh, I had such an admiration for this fabulous person. I never wanted to be away from her, even when she was dying of cancer. I loved her. I would have done anything for her. Betty would say later of Babe. Betty moved in with Babe and George in 1950 and lived with the couple until Babe's death in 1956. Yeah, so they were they were inseparable, and everyone just kind of knew. She married a beard. She yeah. was a lesbian, and he was gay. He was a wrestler. Exactly. All wrestlers are gay. And Babe also, there was a lot that I didn't put in here, but Babe got a lot of criticism. And with most of the female athletes in sports until, I mean, really even till today, but especially until like the 80s and 90s, uh, there was such this... Um, they were pushed into the stereotypes of like, you need to act like a lady. And Babe was often openly ridiculed and criticized for being too masculine. Yeah, too much. Too much, you're exactly. You're not a pretty little lady. Exactly. How are you going to represent your sport as a lady if you're not going to act like a pretty little lady? Yeah, well, I'll tell you how she represents. She represented she, by, be- by kicking your ass. and getting in every Hall of Fame, yeah, absolutely. exactly. And it wasn't just women's sports. She uh, she pitched on a, um, a men's baseball league for a couple of games. She um, competed in the men's golf tournament several times. So, like, she... Like she competed in men's sports too, but she kept getting pushed out because men were offended and mostly they were just afraid that a girl was going to beat them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A decade later, Tom Waddell, Waddell, something like that, would (laughs) place sixth in the Olympic decathlon. Waddell was an openly gay man and began traveling for the next training for the next competition. But just before 1972 tryouts, 
Waddell injured his knee and would never return to professional sports, which that sucks. I've heard so many stories of people even getting into college. They're like, I'm going to get this degree for playing a sport. And then they like practice too much and they like mm-hmm. keep going and going and they injure themselves and then they can never play the sport again. Yep. And then they like just burn their like their whole passion's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, he had a vision. Tom began working on the Gay Olympics, a com- a com- a competition specifically for the queer community. During this time, he began to gain more national recognition, and in 1976, he and his partner at that time, Charles Deaton, would appear on the cover of People's Magazine. They were the first gay couple to grace the cover of a prominent publication. In 81, Waddell would officially launch the Gay Olympics. He was promptly sued by the United States Olympics Committee for using the word Olympic. Um, Yeah. <laughs> That's your word. Right? Like, the fuck the U.S. Like, we came up with it. It's been around since before Jesus, you asshats. But surprisingly, the committee actually did win the suit, and the name was changed to the Gay Games, Mm -hmm. which that sounds more fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. But I I would love to watch the Gay Games. uh, You can watch the Gay Games. They still go on. Oh, they do? Why have I never heard of them? I don't don't know, because you don't like sports. Because they're a serious competition, okay? This isn't the original Olympics where they're all oiled up and just wrestling naked. That's probably why I haven't heard of (laughs) it. Exactly. You would like it for two seconds, and then you'd be like, oh, this is real sports. I would want to watch it to, like, support it, but then I'd be like, God, it's still fucking baseball, or (laughs) it's whatever sport it is. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, though. I feel like I might be able to get into that. You think so? Yeah, because it would be interesting. Because a lot of people who watch sports now, like, they know all about the players and stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. if I got into, like, knowing the players, I would, like, I could get into it. I don't know. Probably not. It's a possibility, though. I don't know. I feel like sports is sports, regardless of who's playing it. But, I mean, uh, you can you can at least look and enjoy looking. I mean, but you would, could enjoy looking regardless. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure. So the Olympics weren't the only sport for the queers. In 1975, NFL NFL star David Coppay came out as gay after retiring. Coppay, I I hope I'm saying this, it might be Coppay. It's K-O-P-A-Y. It's a very well-known athlete, so I um, I apologize, Mr. Coppay. Excuse me. Uh, Capay had played for the 49ers for eight years and was in position to become a head coach when he came out. The offers for coaching were suddenly withdrawn after David's orientation was revealed. Wow, surprise. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow, we thought you were going to be a super great coach, but oh, you're gay? Wow. Well, we can't have can't you looking now. at now. We can't have you looking at your players. Actually, absolutely, right. You've never done anything like that before, never been inappropriate uh, across the line before, but now you definitely would. He went on to write a best-selling book, The David Capay Story, which is one of your resources. In the book, he reveals he had an affair with NFL star Jerry Smith, who had set a record for most touchdowns by a tight end and would pass away of AIDS in 1986. I was going to make a joke that he's a tight end, and then I found out he died of AIDS. Yeah, so sorry. I didn't give you enough space in there to, to, to make the joke. <laughs> um, yeah, which Jerry Smith never did actually formally come out, mm-hmm. um, and David Capay didn't. Like, he wrote the book, um, but he never said that the man he had an affair with was Jerry Smith until after Jerry died. But yeah. Smith's story would later be covered in the 2014 documentary, A Football Story. Real original there. <laughs> it's a great name. Gets right to the point. Right. Oh. As gay rights movements took off around the world, more players began to come out and more began to be outed. In 1977, tennis star and transgender woman Renee Richards sued the U.S. Tennis Association for barring her from the U.S. Open. From the U.S. Open. 
whatever that is. It's it's a tennis match. It's like the it's like the opener. It's like no, no. It's, <laughs> I don't want to say it's like the Super Bowl, but it's like it's like one of the big championships. Tennis are, are people are always playing championships, and they all like. But the tennis open is is a big one. Okay. So anyway, she, but she was barred because she wasn't allowed to play the women. Oh, sorry, she wasn't allowed to play this whole on the women's just thing. Be- it's just, it is going to be a lot of bumping. I don't understand why I'm bumping everything today. You're hitting it with your hand. I don't, as opposed to other weeks, asshat. So she actually <laughs> won the lawsuit four years later. Wait, four, she actually won the lawsuit. God, you're so <laughs> the point. You're is, distracting me. I'm not distracting you. I just want people to understand Renee Richards. She was barred from the U.S. Open. Well, they would understand her if you let me finish the paragraph. No, because it goes on to someone else, not even Renee. She was barred from playing with the women because she was transgender. Go ahead. Now it's your turn. I already read that. I don't know what else there was that you changed. Anyways, she won the lawsuit. Four years later, another tennis star, Billie Jean King, is outed by her ex-girlfriend who was suing King for palimony. What the fuck is palimony? Palimony is alimony when you, it's for. For um, If it's your pal and you don't, you can't be. No. You can't be. No, it's a real thing. It's if it's for like um, what what are they called? Like if you're with someone for seven years, domestic partnership. Domestic. Or something well, like it's that. domestic partnership, but it's like um, um. I know what you're talking about. Legal. No. Uh, <laughs> sorry, our, our um. Whatever. Our privilege is showing. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay, so the whole point is that like when you, so yeah so when you've lived with someone for so long you like if, when you're married you can get alimony and if but if you've lived with someone so, for so long and you can show that you've depended on them you can collect palimony. Or as coyly titled by the media, galimony. Mm-hmm. That same year, um, Martina Navral Navratilova Navratilova. This is sad, Paul Navratilova. <laughs> I know this name. I hear this name all the time. I don't know what's wrong with my brain that doesn't connect. I hear this name all the time. Martina Navratola, Tova, Navra. It's because it's spelled different Navratilova, than the way. Navratilova, another tennis star. People are screaming at their radios right now. Voluntarily outs herself in the New York Daily News. All three women were professional players and all were successful. But Billie Jean King is by far the most successful with 39 Grand Slam titles and the former holder of the world's number one player. She also famously played in the um, the um, match, the Battle of the Sexes, where she was challenged uh, by a male tennis player. And so, and it was documented, well, it's not fully documented, but Steve Carell and um, I want to say, who's that redhead chick? You don't know anyone. You didn't even know I who have... Liam Neeson was. You're such an embarrassment. <laughs> Emma Stone. They oh, played. I know yeah. Emma Stone. Yeah. Yeah. They did. A, um. They did the Battle of the Sexes. They did like a, a show, the movie about it. Anyways, while it seemed the world of sports was alive with queerness, the stigma still hung thick. In 1985, a lineman from Pittsburgh University named Ed Gallagher threw himself off a dam. He did this just 12 days after his first sexual encounter with another man. Gallagher survived the fall, though he was paralyzed, and would later admit the attempted suicide was from his shame at being homosexual. Years later, he would say, I was more emotionally paralyzed then than I am physically now. Sadly, this was and still is a reality for many athletes, especially male athletes. Even as recently as 2014, when college football star and openly gay man Michael Sam was drafted, Harsh homophobia and bigotry soon drove his career into the ground. 
But in spite, but in spite of the harsh uphill battle and pressure for secrecy, more athletes continued to come out. In 1987, bodybuilder Bob Paris, who had won the 1983 Mr. America and Mr. Universe bodybuilding building competitions, came out as gay. The following year, National League umpire Dave Pallone is fired on the false grounds of teen solicitation. Later, it would be revealed that the charges were fabricated after Pallone came out to the league president. That same year, in 88, Justin Fashnow of England would become the first openly gay athlete currently playing. Sadly, pressure from false rumors would eventually um, uh, would eventually lead Fashnow to commit suicide. Yeah. Which we see over and over again in sports. And even, um, which, I mean, I don't think it was because of that. But, I mean, if you were a, um, a Patriots fan, you know the story of Aaron Hernandez who went to prison for murdering someone. So, I mean, he deserved it. But then there was also, um, it came out later that he, he committed suicide in prison. And it came out later that he was bisexual, you know. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, even now, like, you just don't have many openly gay players. Yeah, that, you can't. Your whole, it's like yeah. the same, it's the same with the music industry. Yeah. Or any, like, major public industry actors. I mean, you have a few. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you notice, the, the ones that are open rarely get any major roles yeah there's a couple there's there's, there's like a couple two yeah. or three that'll be they'll do good and people are like all right we'll tolerate you yeah and they're like you know? see the see we're so accepting right we here's have three two, gay people here's your two or three gay people who we're gonna yeah see see we're accepting look at how great we are we have 99.9 people we have one straight. trans person yep 99.9 percent straight people and <laughs> movies yep. but you know we got those three th- those three people yep those three people we're so, so see, ex- we're so tolerant we're not bigoted at all and it's really bad because, and that goes back to the 30s and 40s with sports about how we're pushing this hyper masculinity and you have to be tough. And the whole point of sports is to make you tough. Unless, of course, you're a woman, then we want you totally to be ladylike. And yep. don't you dare threaten us or challenge us. Don't be too butch. Mm-hmm. And like trying to push gender in um, like Very binary systems. Yeah. And, and that doesn't work in sports because sports is just about fucking competing and enjoying the game. Mm-hmm. So as the 1990s dawned, it seemed that real progress was being made for LGBTQ athletes. And of course, this sparked a backlash from homophobes. In 1991, Penn State coach Renee Portland proudly announced that she forbid lesbians from playing on her basketball team. This Meanwhile, all her, all her <laughs> players are all lesbians. It's just like, all right, all the lesbians get off. Everyone gets up like, okay, well, I guess we're leaving. (laughs) Just Renee standing there. It was such bullshit because the lesbians played for her. She just, she just forbid them from being out. You can't forbid. Don't tell. Exactly. Exactly. You can't forbid people from being gay. You can only push them into the closet. Mm -hmm. So the blatant bigotry would hinder the career of dozens of lesbians and bisexuals who passed through Penn State and forced countless others to hide their orientations. Because that's the thing about Renee Portland, because she's a fucking bitch, but she was a good coach. Mm -hmm. And so you're going off to one of the most elite schools in the country, especially around sports. You don't get a much more elite school when it comes to sports. And you can either hide in the closet and get, you know, have a chance at progressing your career or you can leave the state, the school and hope that you make it somewhere else. You know, in 2006, Jennifer Harris sued Coach Portland and Penn State for a hostile, intimidating and offensive environment. The documentary Training Rules further follows the Renee Portland controversy. Almost half her players, 46%, left after just two years at Penn State. This was double the national average. Yeah, you don't want to be somewhere where you're like, I'm 
literally feel like a piece of shit here every day. Yeah, and she it wasn't just that she made that rule. Like, she would taunt people. She would make fun of them. Like, she did create a very hostile, awful environment for anyone who was queer. Throughout the 1990s, more and more players came out, though usually after the athletes ret- had retired. Competitors all around the world and across varying fields began to show their queer side. From Australian rugby player Ian Roberts in 1995 to Canadian skater Brian Orser in 1998. That same year, ESPN aired the special World of the Gay Athlete. The following year, Jock Rocker of Sports Illustrated is suspended by the Major League Baseball League. Major League Baseball. By the MLB Major League Baseball for homophobic remarks. This is one of the first times public action is taken in support of the LGBTQ community. By 2000, gay athletes were all the rage with one headline after another bearing some story about a local queer competitor. In Slovakia, openly gay figure skater Andrei Napela is named the athlete of the century. But homophobia dies hard. That same year, a lesbian couple is kicked out of Dodger Stadium for kissing. Just so many extremes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Right? There is still a battle in the world of queer sports, as evidenced from the rubbish thrown at the U.S. women's soccer team. After Megan Rapinoe's outstanding performance during the World Cup, commentator Ben Shapiro had the audacity to say she was only receiving attention because she was an outspoken lesbian. <laughs> That's the only reason she didn't fucking kick ass. Yeah, right? Completely ignoring the awards she won as best player, best scorer, and tournament MVP. Yes, over 2,700 years since the start of the Olympics, we're still battling homophobia in sports. However, the queers continue to come through, proving again and again that you really can't win championships without gays. Just gotta say, the Cubs recently won something, finally, after all this time. Recently, that was three years ago, but okay. Uh, Yeah, they hadn't won anything for, what, like 50 years or something crazy like that? For 100 plus years, Paul. Yeah, they didn't win shit. Suddenly they won. (laughs) I'm just gonna assume that they got a gay guy in there. You think that's why? I'm just going to assume. So first of all, you're offensive because being from Chicago, how do you not know? We did not win a championship for 109 years. Because I, I didn't pay attention to sports And they ever. said if the Cubs ever win the championship, hell will freeze over. And you know what happened the year Donald that the Trump Cubs won? Exactly. Presidency. Hell froze over, people. But you know what? The Cubs won... You know, when they won, I was like, you know what? I can take this. If this is the sacrifice we have to make, having Donald Trump as president for the Cubs to win, I'll take it. But three years later, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made that sacrifice. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't worth it. We take it back. <laughs> so your recommended resource for today is The Naked Olympics by Tony Perrotet and the documentary Training Rules, available on Amazon Prime and YouTube for $1.99. As well as any other resources we mentioned in this episode, we also encourage you to check out the online resource of Outsports.com. It is a fantastic website where everything queer. It is a fantastic website about everything queer and sporty. Yep, and that is our episode on queer athletes. We didn't even touch on uh, like even a percentage, but we just wanted to sh- you know throw out there that it's been gay this whole time. Yeah, and again. Queer people are everywhere. We're doing everything and we're helping you win your championships. So give us some goddamn credit. Mm-hmm. And also for our listeners, um, next week kicks off our World Listener Month. Get into it. It's going to, we're going on a little vocal tour. That's right. Um, and we're going to kick things off with Alan Turing, who just, it was announced that he's going to be the face of the 50 pound note in the England. Pound, yep. 
Yep. Um, so that's cool. And also to our Patreons, we could use your support. So, um, you know, if you can get to patreon.com slash your queer story and lend us support, even if it's just $3 a month or if it's more, we could use it. We appreciate it. We put that back in. We're sending our donation from our month of pride to um, Prism. To Prism, And then we've got a couple other things we're sending out to some of our valued listeners and Patreon supporters. So we do appreciate you guys. Um, but if you want to join in on the fun, we'd appreciate it. And this episode drops on Wednesday, and that means Thursday. I am going to be at the Philly Trans Conference. If you want to, if you're going to be there too, come say find hi me. To Evan. <clears throat> yeah, go say hi to Evan. I'm going to be. He's really awkward in person, but. <laughs> I am. I am. Please don't judge me for that. But yes, come say hi to me. I'm the short guy. I'm wearing glasses. My wife has an air cast on her foot. You can't miss us. Yeah, they're definitely going to be the. We're going to stand out. I'll be wearing a queer shirt of something every day, something trans, something queer. I was going to wear our merch, but you know what I was wearing the night that my dog got sprayed by Mm, a skunk? Wow. Yeah, my Homocrat shirt. I was so excited to wear that to the thing. I'll probably be wearing our Your Queer Story shirt one day, but I I was really excited to wear the Homocrat Mm -hmm. shirt. Whatever. Anyways, guys, you have anything you want to say? No, just stay queer. (laughs) Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. Oh, succulent surface. And our proud homocrats. You little sodomy circus. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.